This is the Weekly Squeeze. I am your talented and humble host coming at you from the land of Israel. It's the first night of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah! That's right. Hanukkah Sameach to all you lovely listeners. You are hearing from me three times this week, which means even if you didn't get a Hanukkah present, even if you have no friends, well, you always have me, and I will be there for you. So wishing you all a Freilich Hanukkah wherever you are. May we see revealed miracles. Today I saw revealed Hamas members sitting on the floor, dozens and dozens of them captured by our lovely IDF soldiers in Khan Yunis. Yes, Khan Yunis, that's what it is. Terrorists in their gutkis. By the way, these are not good-looking people. I'm just saying. And yeah, Israel rounding them up as they continue the war against terror, the war against our evil and out-of-shape enemies who, like so many before, have tried to destroy us. But they won't. Because we, the Jewish people, well, we are just... One of a kind. We are one of a kind. And one of my listeners reminded me that the reason Eretz Israel belongs to the Jewish people, actually you didn't remind me, I know this well, but reminded me to make it more explicit and more clear that the only reason, legitimately, the only reason that we are fighting for Eretz Israel is because Hashem gave us this land. It's a nice piece of land, but it could have been Uganda, and we probably would have had more peace there. Who knows? The fact is this particular piece of land is where we need to be, where Hashem wants us to be. A land worth defending, a land worth fighting for, the land we dive into, Eretz Yisrael. So, yes, that is us. We are the Jewish people. We are the people that Hashem promised he would never abandon. That's what he told Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Even if we would transgress the Taira, Hashem wouldn't abandon us. And Hashem gave us this land. And Hashem gave us this land despite how hard our evil enemies try to take it away from us. And they keep trying. You know, the Medrash compares Israel to sand and anti-Israel powers, anti-Jewish powers to the ocean. And the first wave says, I'm going to come and I'm going to flood the, flood the sand and flood the earth. And it comes crashing onto the sand and then it just dies out. So you would think the second wave would get the message. Like, it's not happening. You're not going to get past the sand. But they keep trying. The waves keep crashing eternally. Amalek didn't learn from Parai. Sichan and Og didn't learn from Amalek, and Sinwar didn't learn from Haman. That's just the way it goes. They keep crashing, but we, the Jewish people, remain eternal. Like Leo Tolstoy wrote in his What is the Jew? What is the Jew? This is not as strange a question as it would first appear to be. Come, let us contemplate what kind of unique creature is this whom all the rulers and all the nations of the world have disgraced and crushed and expelled and destroyed persecuted, burned, and drowned, and despite their anger and their fury, continues to live and flourish. What is this Jew, whom they have never succeeded in enticing with all the enticements in the world, whose oppressors and persecutors only suggested that he deny and disown his religion and cast aside the faithfulness of his ancestors? The Jew is a symbol of eternity. He is the one whom they were never able to destroy, Neither bloodbath nor afflictions, neither the fire nor the sword succeeded in annihilating him. He is the one who for so long has guarded the prophetic message and transmitted it to all mankind. A people such as this can never disappear. The Jew is eternal. He is the embodiment of eternity. The 18th century Talmudic scholar Rabbi Jonathan Eibschutz, Eibschutz, Rabbi Yonason Eibschutz commented, 
Will the atheist not be embarrassed when he reflects on Jewish history? We, an exiled people, scattered sheep from antiquity, after all that we have brutally endured after thousands of years. There is no nation or people pursued as we. Many and powerful are those who have aspired to totally destroy us, but they have never prevailed. How will the wise philosopher respond? Is this extraordinary phenomena truly by chance? French author John de Belida, during the latter part of the 19th century, before the Russian Revolution, Nazi Germany, and the modern Jewish state, described the Jewish people as thus. In essence, the Jewish people chuckle at all forms of anti-Semitism. Think all you want, and you will not be able to find one form of brutality or a strategy that has not been used in warfare against the Jewish people. I cannot be defeated, says Judaism. All that you attempt to do to me today has been attempted 3,200 years ago prior in Egypt. Then tried the Babylonians and the Persians. Afterwards tried the Romans and then others and others. There is no question that Jews will outlive us all. This is an eternal people. They cannot be defeated. Understand this. Every war with them is a vain waste of time and manpower. Conversely, it is wise to sign a mutual covenant with them how trustworthy and profitable they are as allies. For instance, look at their patriotism, their commercial benefit, and their ambition and success in science, the arts, and politics. Be their friend and they will pay you back in friendship 100-fold. This is an exalted and chosen people. I want to leave you with one last thought. This war is very taxing. It's painful. War is ugly. War is not a crime, by the way. Despite popular belief, war is not a war crime. Israel is not committing a war crime because we are protecting our citizens from being preemptively genocided again. We all saw on October 7th a pre-enactment of Hamas's genocidal vision for the Jewish people. And now what we see is the entire world trying to stain us morally beyond redemption so they can use Israel as a whipping post to help cope with the fact that they have nothing, they feel nothing, and they are nothing. And like it says in Tehillim, Perak Base, why do the nations rage? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against God in heaven and against his anointed. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh and Hashem shall mock them. The Jewish people and the state of Israel cannot be destroyed. Their weapon is God, is Hashem. That is reality. David Amalekh understood realism and practicality and rationality. His last words before killing Goliath were, and all the assembly shall know that not with the sword and spear does Hashem save us, for the battle is Hashem's and he will give you into our hands. And with this faith, David removed Goliath's head, Goliath's head from his shoulders and removed humiliation from Israel. And you know what they say, once David kills Goliath, David is not Goliath. And that's not a bad thing. We have nothing to be ashamed about. It is a mitzvah to win this war. It's a mitzvah to protect Bnei Israel. It's a mitzvah to make sure that this land is a safe harbor for all Jews and all people around the world. That no blood be shed on this land ever again. That's our duty. That's our responsibility. That's who we are. That's how we roll. We will not be ashamed. So open up your windows. Light those menorahs. Be proud to be a Jew. Publicize the miracle, the miracles 
that took place right here, right here in Artisrael. Neskadal Hayat Po. We play dreidel tonight. Uh, the dreidels here say Po. A great miracle happened here. The Jews with swords, not with tanks, not with machine guns, and not with iron domes. It was with Hashem. It was with Hashem and the Emuna of Am Yisrael that allowed B'nai Yisrael to win that war. And here we are in 2023, eating the most delicious donuts you can possibly wrap your mind around in Aroma Bakery in modern Israel while we fight another enemy. So, you know, all's well that ends well. And this is going to end well. Don't be afraid. Be strong, be proud, and stay inspired. Keep having those deep, meaningful conversations. And that brings me to my next segment. I invited two friends of mine to come on the show I was just like, let's just talk, see what happens. Let's connect heart to heart and see what happens and where it goes. And I am delighted to have Rifki and Alex on the show from the DMC podcast, Deep Meaningful Conversations podcast. So without further ado, Rifki Silver and Alex Fletcher. Since October 7th, 2023, Israel is fighting a war like no other. Since the horrific acts of October 7th, Israel is coping with its darkest hours. Help provide light. Help Israel now. Mayor Panim is changing thousands of lives, helping families living in bomb shelters, inspiring and supporting soldiers, and providing for evacuated families from the south. Israel's frontline soldiers need your help. Mayor Panim is there for them. Head over to my show notes, mayorpanim.org slash war, and donate today. Today, we are going to delve into the heart of a very challenging and deeply impactful moment in history, one where we face a world full of conflict, and we are dealing with the harsh realities of raising kids and just living in a reality torn apart and torn upside down by war. I told my father Hanukkah tomorrow, he said, how? I'm still at Simchas Taira. But here we are. It's almost Hanukkah 2023. We are in the middle of a very harrowing chapter in Israel's short history, short and long history. We are in the throes of war with Hamas, the Palestinians, and all of their colorful and insane supporters. <laughs> the toll of 10-7 on Israel is immeasurable. Families shattered, communities scarred, and a nation in mourning. And to add insult to injury... As Israel grapples with the aftermath to add salt to an open wound, we are witnessing a global response that's appalling and, frankly, terrifying. Millions of Arabs and woke leftists fueled by anti-Semitic hate, self-righteous indignation, entitlement, and often derangement are protesting and rioting all over the place, anywhere they can, chanting anti-Semitic lies, expressing every type of anti-Semitic trope in the book, we have college students, Jewish college students being bullied left and right, and Jewish persecution on college campuses, as we all saw in Congress last night. It's literally being supported by the presidents of the most prestigious universities in America. In the midst of this turmoil, the air is thick with fear and worry. The specter of violence against Jews looms large, driven by blood libel shared on TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp, Telegram, all at the speed of light, apps that, by the way, many of our children are using. We have endless malicious narratives about Israel being fabricated and disseminated on cable news channels around the world. And the UN has proved itself to be, as it always has been, a den of wolves. That's what the Lubavitcher Rebbe warned about them. It's dark. It's very dark right now. But there is light. And that light is coming from Jewish mothers, I believe. The Jewish mothers who are bearing much of the weight of these unstable times as their children 
question their future in America and Europe as Jews. Amidst the darkness, there's resilience. On today's episode of The Weekly Squeeze, we are joined by two American Jewish women who are who intimately understand the challenges faced by our community, co-host of the DMC podcast, writer for the Family First magazine, leaver of long voice notes, not that from your Instagram, <laughs> Rifki Silver, <laughs> and co-host of the DMC podcast, columnist for the Mishbacha magazine, and the creative director of Faces of Orthodoxy on Instagram, Alex Fletcher. Hi, guys. So good to see you. It's such a pleasure to be here. So happy um, and also so sad. And just I feel like the best thing we can do right now is have deep, meaningful conversations. That's just how I'm coping. So I figured who <laughs> better? We've all been brought to our knees by the massacre on 10-7. The, this terror is greater than all of us. As mothers of Avisrael and havers of deep, meaningful conversations, how have you been able to cope, compartmentalize with what you've seen, what we know, all the horrors, so that you could function with a clear head. Like, how are you not letting this terror get to you? I feel like we were just discussing this about how it's a, bit, a little bit bent in waves, like, you know, the first initial shock and like not managing. And then when the hostages were being released, then also kind of like re reverting to a not managing. But in general, I feel like I've been bolstered by this kind of like back to basics kind of approach that I've been taking, which is, you know, what is the point of terrorism to to make us like not live Jewish lives, right? To not be literally alive and we're Jews. And so what's the antidote to live even more Jewishly to like really reinvigorate what is Jewish about my life. So that means like, you know, I'm focusing more on Zabning and more on Tehillim and, and more on learning and just kind of like going back to all of those things that like, you know, the things that like, I know that those are what I'm supposed to be doing, but I get distracted by things like my phone. And so I'm like, okay, and I'm going to go back to the basics. Um, you know, when there's like just so much, like just outright lying and like falsehood being like blasted from every possible angle. I'm like, okay, well, what's MS? So let me just attach myself to MS. And then of course, like just being very mindful of what I consume online, yeah. you know, like I've really scaled back a lot. <laughs> You know, it's something I think that we are, we're trying to prioritize on our podcast is just like acknowledging and validating and saying out loud that life has changed. Um, it feels like it has permanently changed. I don't know. I can't imagine life going back to how it was before. We laugh. Like, what were our problems then? You know? Right. And what did I, I know, used like, to do? What did strong. I used to do with all this free time? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, and, you know, you're in Aries Astral. Like, we're in America. You know, we're we're watching this from afar. It's hard to put into words how I'm managing. It, it's just, it's like a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not a person that can completely cut off from the news. Like I know some people can. I know some people ch check, you know, at the end of the day one time and that's it. Like, you know, I, I personally, I have two children in Israel and in Yeshiva and Seminary. And like, especially when the rockets started, I was refreshing every I won't tell you how often, you know, because I wanted to know if they were in bomb shelters. Like I was keeping an eye out on them. So I have like, you know, that personal skin in the game, but we all have that skin in the game. And that that I would just like to say is just what's been so inspiring about this is it's so unbelievable how we've been transformed as the Jewish people and our response to this, how like it's it's beyond intellect. We are all feeling this so deeply. To me, that gives me so much chizik that like our pentala yid, our neshama is on fire for the Jewish people. And it just we all we just got all rekindled. And it, there's nothing to say. It's just it's beyond logic. It's just something much deeper. 
Yeah, I felt that when I was in I was in Florida for four weeks and I had the opportunity to sing. I was like, back to the basics. You know, mm. this is what I know how to do. I'm just going to sing and connect and we're going to cry and, 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 and feel the words of Tehillim. And that really grounded me in a sense because everything is so up in the air. Yeah. But when you get back to the basics, also it reminds you what, it reminds you the tools that we have in our, in our toolkit. I was telling my mother that, you know, Jen Arley, who lost her son just two weeks ago, she, she lives, she's my neighbor. She lives in mm. our parking lot. She's a runner, right? So she does marathons and she's part of Atala and she's hiking and she's just one of those fantastic, amazing people who works so hard on, on fine tuning those skills so that she can cope with anything. And amazingly, you see how she's coping now. I saw her out, you know, with her exercise clothes on this week already because she's a runner and she knows what it takes to cope. And that is the basics, discipline and just focusing on on hitting all those marks every day, your emotional check marks, your physical check marks, your spiritual check marks and grounding yourself. But you said, you know, you have two kids here, um, Alex, but at the end of the day, you don't live here. You you guys are American Jews. I know you love Eretz Israel with all your heart. So it's interesting for people to see how personal this is for people who live across the sea. You live very far away. I mean, we're in completely different time zones. It's it's a country that most people have never visited. So were you surprised how deeply this changed you or affected you in such a concrete way? I mean, yes, I guess. Like it just, I think that just the, like I'm always affected. I was just like telling Alex earlier, like, you know, whenever something is happening in the news and Eretz Israel, like I, there are certain like news sources that I just have to like mute or block or like not listen to. And then, you know, like you go back and go forward. But like with this, it was just such on a scale that was just never before experienced. And just like the collective gasp of all of us and then the collective gasp to the world's response, you know, I don't think that we could have anticipated. I don't think anyone could have really anticipated how this was going to hit all of us, but it really did hit all of us, like Alex was saying, and just to see like these two blows back to back, but then the way that we all just reacted like one nation, we know that Claudia Israel is like compared to like one body. And if one part hurts, then, you know, we're all, we're all hurt. Mariel was saying that Goldstein, mm-hmm. who we just had on our podcast and like, you really just felt it. it wasn't just like, Oh, a thought experiment. It wasn't like a idea that lived in the intellect. Like this was something that we all experienced no matter where we are. You know, people in South America also, from you know what I understand, have had the same. Like literally, no matter where you are, we have all been affected by this in a way that can only related to be described as supernatural. Right? Yeah, I think we all are very keenly aware that we are in a very historic moment, um, and especially with the response that we've gotten as Jewish people, like y- you can be marginally Jewish and realize that we now are completely authored. You right? So I just think. That's we all know we are living in a different world than we were pre 10 7, you know. Um, and I think that is why this has hit, hit us so deeply. I think that's why the march was so successful in Washington. It's you had Jews literally coming from all over the country, and we had certainly international, you know, visitors as well, because we will do whatever we take to stand up for our people. We have such a strong sense of identity, even those of us who we think are far, but really like push comes to shove. We have this, like, as I said, this like burning neshama inside each and every single one of us. I just, I was just at a uh, coffee shop and a bagel shop with a a friend who um, is not 
from, but very Jewishly, like a very Jewishly identified and very active in her in her way. And we were watching everyone come in and out of this little kosher, you know, bagel shop. We don't have so many kosher rest establishments here in Cleveland. So this is like one, like, and we were just watching people come in and out. And she remarked, she's like, look at all the people who are coming here. She's like, I've seen people who I, who I know live in a very different neighborhood and had to drive past like many different bagel shops to get to this specific bagel shop. These are people who don't necessarily keep kosher. But right now there's this just desire to just be with our people. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how exactly how close or far you are. There's just like, you just want to be with it each other. It sounds so corny, but we're family. And like, yeah, your pain is my pain. So, yeah, I felt that very strongly when when I was in America. Uh, I I, I even ask you, like, thinking that you would say, oh, well, we're far. And, you know, obviously, like, the distance is just it's not even there. Like, especially because we're all intrinsically connected the way we're connected to Hashem and the Torah and the land and our Tisrael and how it's all part of our story. And now it's part of our tefillos like it's this assault was on all of us. And that's why it's so painful because wherever you look for comfort, you meet someone's eyes who's suffering. You know, it's not even like anyone could be, you know, well, that, Oh, everything's great by me coming out. You can cry on my shoulder. Like, no, we're just going to sob on each other's shoulders. Like everybody's <laughs> sleeves are wet, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's also been remarkable to see like how everyone's like fierce love for Israel has just like expanded. Someone, a close friend of ours, who's a, a Rob, he said, like all of a sudden, like everyone's a Zionist, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> you know, like even though like people who said Zionism was a, is a bad word, like everyone's a Zionist. But like I found that, by the way, in terms of my reaction, is I'm very connected to Israel. My my family is there. I've been, I, I spent every summer in high school in Israel. All of a sudden, I feel that like my connection to Israel, my connection to the land, the state, everything has taken on a completely new level that I never even knew was fathomable. Like I just. That 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 has been an interesting response that I've had that was sort of surprising. Well, on that note, I was ask, unexpected. Well, I'll ask you because this is the million dollar question: Are you thinking maybe you should move to Israel? Like, is that <laughs> is that some? I'm 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 actually really curious because my yeah. instinct to make Aliyah was completely out of the blue. It was not really triggered by anything specific. So I'm curious yeah. if something like this triggers you to maybe make Aliyah, or you're just like we we have a life to live here right now, and and our duties are abroad. Yeah. I mean, both. I think I, I always think about making Aliyah. I never wanted to live in Chutzlaretz. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still not happy about it. <laughs> but like, you know, I was listening to Harry Breitowitz and he said like, you know, sometimes sometimes you can't go, but he said you have to have a plan. And and that's really kind of what what I have been doing is um, like talking about it more with my kids and, you know, just trying to make sure that that is in their consciousness. Because honestly, like, I don't know how long we have not to be all, I mean, whatever. I was, about to, I was about to say not to be all histrionic, but like, <sighs> literally, this is just the facts on the ground. I don't yeah. know how much long, I don't know how long we have here. Like I see the generation's going to be in power in 20 years. I'm not happy about it. So, you know, I just really feel like pragmatically speaking, it's not possible for us right now for a variety of factors. And at the same time, like you said, like you never know, it can come out of the blue. Like, and it's, I think it's something that I has, has always been in my consciousness. And now I'm just kind of like, upping it to make sure that it is solidly in my kids' consciousness as well. Right. Well, That's Alex, really your, your kids are here. Yeah. yeah, that is. Alex, your kids are here. So you ri- you already run the risk of having kids who are like, I'm staying here. I'm, I'm joining the army. I love Israel. <laughs> I don't know about joining the army, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with those two. They're there. I'm so proud that they're there. It's like the the part of me that can be there is through them being there. But um, I really agree you know, with what Rafi's saying. Um, you know, Israel's in our heart. Um, 
but it's interesting. Like the, the reasons that we may have had when we first got married to stay in America, mainly my reasoning was like, I felt like I had a role to accomplish here in America for the American Jewish community. And I've started shifting, wondering, hmm, maybe I have a role somehow in the Anglo-Israeli Jewish community. Like, maybe that's the next step for me. Now, you know, I've got kids entering high school, my ones that are here in the next couple of years. Wouldn't probably wouldn't be wise, although I know men have, especially during COVID, there were people who did move in the teen years. I'm of the traditional stance. It's always been, if you have teenagers, do not make Aliyah. Um my youngest is four. My husband says we have a 15-year plan. <laughs> so as long as we're talking about some kind of plan, it's not like, oh, no, no, we're happy here. I, I just really, it's resonating with me right now, these messaging that like, that is the next, well, there's always messaging that's always the place for the Jewish people. But like, really, that really needs to be the next step um, somehow in all of our minds at some point as really being our only safe haven. One of the things that people mentioned was so remarkable was how many Israelis and Jews came to Israel during the war. Like El Al is running their flights 24 hours. They're the only airlines because no one else flies into a country where missiles the size of washing machines are being flung in, in the sky except El Al, which, by the way, has a rocket defense system built into their airplanes. Fun fact. Um, but yeah, look, yeah, but look at us, like the Jews, my father is just like, he cannot wait to come to Israel. He's in his late sixties. Why the heck would he want to be in a war zone? But why Mm -hmm. the heck would he want to be anywhere else? (laughs) It's like, it's just, you know, that's just what's so beautiful. Um, let me ask you though, on a more like personal level, because for me, like this is still evolving and unfolding. And every day I feel like it's like death by a thousand cuts. That's how I describe it. This whole experience, right? Yes. And, and everyone I ask has something else that is really triggering for them. Like for my mother, it's the hostages. She's just like sick about it. And that's what her, mm. you know, for me, I'm thinking about the mothers whose sons are at war. Like my, my neighbor's sons are at war and my fa- my relatives' sons are at war. So that's, you know, all these worst case scenarios and the fears and everything. So what 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 hit you the most about 10-7? Because there were so many atrocities, so many things that you had to see and you saw and we know you saw and... You know, what What really hit you the hardest that you were like, wow, this is a hard pill to swallow? Hmm. So Rifki and I have mentioned this on the podcast a lot. We, we've really been trying to minimize the visuals in terms of what we're seeing. Sometimes you just can't help it because you might be scrolling on Instagram and like, oh, the Jewish, you know... Uh, the, the Jerusalem Post decided to post some atrocious video. You know what I mean? Like maybe I should unfollow the Jerusalem Post, but I really can't unfollow the Jerusalem Post. You know, like I'm struggling with I know, that. you don't know where you're going to see so, it. I know, right? Anyway, I, what can I say? Am I proud to say? I, I really, I really have not seen imagery of the atrocities. I, I've made that a safeguard, a mental health safeguard to not see, picture, watch, nothing. What has hit me hard is seeing the children reuniting, the the hostage children reuniting with their families. Um, I reached out to my cousin who lives in Ramabi Shemesh to talk to her about it. And she's like, oh, she's like, don't be all so proud of yourself that, oh, I didn't watch any, see any bad pictures and didn't see any bad videos. She's like, you are witnessing 
trauma meeting trauma, traumatized parents meeting traumatized children. And like, when you see these children that are shadows of themselves, that's when my mind goes. And I'm like, super careful trying not to read their accounts of what they're starting to come out with what they've experienced. As a mother, this I cannot handle like this, I cannot hope. And this was a whole new level of unexpected struggle of mine going through, you know, being exposed to information coming out about this work. Absolutely. And I I think I want to give like a shout out to the people doing the very difficult work of publicizing this and and of you know documenting and charting because as we see the denials happening in real time which is super fun to witness um you know and like Hashem should just give them strength to to carry on the, the the extraordinarily difficult work that they're doing to to document and to publicize and to say hey this is happening um right on the times of israel podcast one of the women one of the guests she writes obituaries and she's just been busy every single day, all day, I think for the Jerusalem Post. And she she said that she takes time to watch the funerals and to really get to know as much as she can about the, the victims of, of the last eight weeks. But that's her job. And she's finding trying to find joy in it. And I was like, wow, that's literally mm-hmm. someone's job. That's intense. Wow, that is intense. I, I was going to say that um, I think the thing that affected me the most was the response, the response of the world, like that, yeah. that the, this surge of anti-Semitism that happened on October 8th, before anything even happened, before like anything had any response at all, like we were all still just like shell-shocked. And then this like barrage of anti-Semitism just came roaring out of the depths of everyone's like kishkas, all the anti-Semites. You know? So painful, you know? so hurtful. And, I was I was telling my husband I was like we we I think we had like you know two hours of sympathy maybe or something I remember there was like a little there was like a little like there was a little blip remember when we were all like oh look people actually this feel, is like, what it feels like it. and then <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh and like that little teeny window so sad um I'm so I, sad but then you, you, you went know, to I, university I did anyone reach out to you any of your classmates or anyone from your past. Did you feel like it, like a little bit? I had a friend from high school. A head from a, ha- a friend from high school reached out to me. Um, I had a couple of professors from college that reached out to me. That really? was, yeah, wow, yeah, who I've kept in touch with. Wow, that was it. Wow, right. So you're saying I just, that just your husband? Yeah. No, 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 I just want to finish what you were saying about your husband. You said your husband was saying something, and I'm sure your husband's a smart guy. So <laughs> he's a smart guy. That's actually what I was saying to him. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, like that, like, you know, instead of sympathy being unlocked, it was like this like bloodlust that was all of a sudden uncovered, you know, and it was just such an extraordinary, horrifying thing to witness that like, it was like the more of us that were killed, it's like the world was like, oh, give me more, give me more. That's like, that was the response. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) So I totally, I also felt a big shift, especially when the um, and I don't know the name of the Arab hospital was bombed. And then like the Wall Street Journal jumped and was like an Israeli. Not just the Wall Street Journal, I literally mean, everything. Exactly. Yeah. Like that My was heart like, sank. that's when I, yeah. yeah. And I wrote about this in Mishpacha and a piece where like, I literally started developing this like physical anxiety in my chest, like from that day on. But I was just listening, um, David Beshefkin interviewed the CEO of the Jewish Federations on a recent podcast about the March. And he said something, which I think is so important to remember that according to the polls, the majority of Americans support Israel and Israel's response to the attacks. The problem is the loud voices of the media. The problem is the loud voices of anti-Semites on social media. And the problem is in terms of um, 
age range, yes, the loud voices of the college age students, those demographics have higher, have, excuse me, lower numbers, numbers of support for Israel. But that was, I think, just a fact that it's still really important to remember is like we still in our country are still supported by the majority of Americans in terms of Israel support and that, you know, it's, it's hard to keep in mind, but it is true. Yeah, I felt it in Florida. I mean, I grew up in Miami Beach and it's a very firm neighborhood. I'm sure anyone who's listening has been on 41st Street and just it's like from town. And I didn't um, I didn't feel like I was experiencing what people were experiencing on the streets of, let's say, Manhattan or right. in or London Flatbush. or Flatbush, yes. right? The right. big cities are being definitely hit, definitely. right? And 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 it's always like that, and they're not an indication of the temperature of what's going on, although it's still alarming. Presidents of the of the of the universities could barely condemn calling genocide <laughs> a problem. Harassment. Yeah, harassment, exactly. Can you imagine? It was appalling. Yeah. yeah, it was appalling. Let me ask you. Uh, my kids are, you know, they're Israelis. There's there's only so much I can protect them from. They're going to hear the sirens and they're going to hear the explosions and they're going to watch the news sometimes when we sit at night. And they have to know what's going on. Mm. I mean, we can't just keep them in the dark. They're already big kids. H- how are you uh, as parents? I don't know your kids. I've never had the merit to meet them. I'm sure they're delightful. Mm-hmm. But how are you protecting them from this, whether they're on social media, off social media? What if... What have you heard parents are doing to either protect their children or just have that those conversations that you never thought you were going to have? Yeah, well, my kids are still pretty little. None of them have social media. So that makes my job, I guess, easier in a way. My oldest is a freshman in high school um, and my youngest is four, like Alex is. And I, I think that, well, my son, I had just written about this in Family First. My son had actually gone to a basketball game between the uh, Maccabee Ra Nana came to play the Cavs for like a preseason game. And so it was, it was like October 16th. So it was very, very soon after the war. And, you know, a bunch of my friends wanted to go. I couldn't go, but, um, and I don't like basketball anyway, so fine. <laughs> but some of my friends who did want to go um, went and my son went with um, one of our family friends to this game. And while he was going into the stadium, there was a huge protest, which of course, you know, I was like kicking myself for not prepping him or not even thinking about the fact that that would be there, you know, and people were screaming hateful things at him. He came home, like, and I was like, how's the game? He was like, it was good. And then he was like a little quiet. He's like, there were some people outside and they were like, make, he showed me like the gestures they were making, which I will not show you because they were <laughs> not appropriate. And he said, they were, they were screaming like curse words about Israel. And there was a, you know, a Heil Hitler that was thrown in there. Mm. So that was super fun for him. And I was just like, I had like this feeling. I was like, oh, you know, we want to protect them and everything, but like anti-Semitism is real. This kind of hatred is real. And he said, I don't even know why they hate us so much. Mm. Like, how do I explain to a 13 year old, like the, <laughs> the depths in, you know, history of this kind of specific hatred, you know? And um, so that was challenging. He moved on very quickly. I was still like, you know, eating like tearing myself up about it. And he was like, you know, I know kids are amazing like that. My my neighbor's dog died. And my, my daughter who loves dogs was like, this is the worst thing that happened to me. It's even worse than the war. And I was like, wow, I'm doing a great job as a mother. If you think that, (laughs) you know, her dog dying is worse than the war. Kids do move on and they, they are, we, this is not no, no secret, but they're extremely affected by our moods and they pick up on how we're feeling intuitively. And if we're calm to a certain extent, but if we're calm and settled in our hearts, we can convey that to their, to our kids and they won't feel that panicky feeling that they do when their parents are unhinged and fearful. 
Um, right. But but there's still a lot of like I'm just having conversations with my kids. I never thought I would be having things like until Bibi Netanyahu says the war is over, you are not leaving Beit Shemesh. I don't care if your friend's parents are going to Macha. You know, I really don't <laughs> want to be put in these in this position. Oh, but, you are you making know, me feel terrible because one my one kid is going to Netanyahu for Shabbos, the other one is going to to Tiberius, or should they not be going, Kamala? <laughs> no, it's not that. We're listen. When okay. we, we're, we're it's it's really like a. We're paying. We're playing odds. You know, my kids want to mm. leave Beit Shemesh three times a week. They want to go to the mall. They want to go to Yerushalayim. They want to go with their friends. They're going on a trip. So it, I'm anxious every time my kids walk out the door. It's just, it's just the reality. You know, it's just the reality now because I, I can hear the explosions in the distance and mm. yeah. Be, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah, and the prime minister that. declared war. This is not like a hypothetical. It's not like you know right. Israel's perfectly safe. It's 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 trying times for kids. So. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think Israeli kids and kids abroad obviously are having a completely different experience, but at the same time, this is a very visceral war for Jews everywhere. So uh, yeah. I I know yeah I know as parents this is challenging and mothers really have to rise to the occasion and deal with these new circumstances. Alex, how about you? Have your kids have your kids been asking yeah. you any tough questions? So I, I just sort of pray that they haven't heard too many details because I have not. We have not just. Dis- Discussed the details of the horrific acts in any way, shape, or form. We talked about, you know, and my oldest at home is in eighth grade. Um, so we, you know, we talked about the attacks that that were, you know, that were done, but no, no details. Um, I think this is you know, one of the challenges of raising kids in America is their connection to Israel, especially if your children have never been to Israel. Um, you know, if you're not in a Zioni school, you know, of course, Eretz Israel is emphasized, but oftentimes there isn't, you know, a very um, tangible connection to Israel. It's it's not, you know, it's not emphasized as much. So I think that one of the blessings, um, I don't want to say blessings, but one of the outgrowths of this that has been very beneficial to our children is how our schools have stepped up um, to contribute to write letters to Chaya Lim, to raise awareness. And I think that's been something really special. This has given our children opportunity to feel more and more connected to to Israel. So I'm I'm appreciating that very, very much. Um, and the social media piece, you know, there have been many schools that sent letters out, basically begging parents um, to make sure their children, if at all possible, are, you know, not, are, are shutting down their TikTok, their Instagram because of, you know, the horrific imagery that's there. So, you know, kudos to those schools who their their students are, the, you know, in that population that they need to do that. But the, it's a real thing. And if your child is on social media, that's a real conversation that needs to happen about being very, very aware that um, they could very, very quickly be exposed to images that will ta- haunt them forever. And I feel like it's not even just images. It's also just like the comments. It's like, I I, uh-huh. I, I myself am so sensitive. Like I can't, yeah. I can't, I'm so affected by like, just like the, the haters, <laughs> the hate and the rage. It's like, you know, yeah. like, so I, I, I wouldn't want the kids to be exposed to that either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're on, on Instagram on my Israel Instagram account, like once in a while, a post goes viral and you get a lot of free Palestine crowd. So I've been limiting comments and the list just keeps getting longer. Seriously. I have like a th- every time I, I limit words, they come up with a different way to be offensive and, and egregious. So yeah, I feel yeah. like it's, it's like whack-a-mole. It's literally coming from every side. I have found, however, like with anything else, flooding out negativity with positivity is always 
a great way to go about it. So we play a lot of Jewish music and I, you know, let my kids have a movie night and watch something fun and light because like you said, you know, kids just kind of flow, you know, onto the next thing. They move on to the next thing fairly quickly. So even if your kid has been exposed to something or even if you feel like they might be struggling with it, I'm not saying not to ignore that, but try to up the ante when it comes to what you can offer instead, you know? Take your kids to yeah. Disney World. We took our kids to Disney World. I sang in Orlando, and I said, Raval, is it appropriate? Is it appropriate to be in Disney World when Israel's at war? He said, they're kids. They deserve a childhood. Like, they can't be, it doesn't, it's not going to change what's going on in Israel. So we have to be, yeah. we can't be and afraid I, to live. I think all the beautiful yeah. Am Yisrael Chai and Chesed videos, there's so much amazing content that's amazing mm-hmm. kind of for your kids. Like, if it's on your phone, take it, just show it to them. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- let them see what is happening in Israel. I, I think it's a great Chanukh moment, too. Right, Mika Amchi Israel is a great yeah, example. Mika so, Amchi yeah, Mika Israel, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, like, in the Russia-Ukraine where they have this, like, Ukrainians are sitting and be like, look how amazing Ukrainians are, look at all the mitzvahs we're doing. They don't. It's just war as hell. But by us, we have this complete flip side where as awful as they are is as amazing as we are. You know, there's so yeah. much evil, but that's just a reflection of all the light and all the, the kedusha in the world. So we can gravitate towards that and, and, and surround ourselves with that and even have an enlightened experience, you know, during yeah. this war. So uh, it's, it's, you really have to keep yourself in check because it's, it's possible to go down into the dark, mm-hmm. dark abyss of, of despair. And it's also possible like to make this a completely life-changing experience for you and your family. So it's, yeah. it's a big yeah. responsibility, as always. It's always on our laps. Like, no matter what happens, Hamas starts a war and Jewish women have to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jewish mothers have to up the ante. <laughs> so much. Go. But where where do you... Go? I'm just curious because I read a lot and I, I'm always looking for content and inspiration and I go... You know, sometimes I, I, I get, like, hooked on a certain podcast and I become obsessed with that particular, <laughs> you know. So... Give, give our listeners some ideas. Who, who do you go to for inspiration? Podcast, books, if you have a life coach, therapy, influencers, just, you know, mm. name drop. Share some things that have really been <laughs> oh, helping drop. you. <laughs> well, our podcast, because we get to produce our podcast. <laughs> By all so means, go li- for it. Pitch it. Deep, meaningful Seriously? conversations. Deep, meaningful conversations. I mean, we just had Eric. Well, we, we've, of course, like any good Jewish organization, I'm going to call ourselves a Jewish organization, nonprofit, whatever we are. Have had to pivot, you know, and had to create different content. So, but Rifki and I will be like, okay, well, what do we need? Like, what do we want? You know, so we had Eric and Needleman come talk about, you know, anxiety and managing our emotions in a healthy way. I'm like, because that's what we need to know. We need to learn this right now. And we want to talk to someone on the ground, you know? So we had um, Deanie Cooper Smith, thank you. Um, Deanie Cooper Smith day 11 of the war, we interviewed her. So I, I'm very grateful to be in this business of providing physics to others because we have our finger on the pulse because we need the physics ourselves. <laughs> so whatever we feel between the two of us, we think that can benefit our audience and benefit ourselves. So I, the, during this time, honestly, I mean, it still sounds so ridiculous, but the work that I'm doing has given me a lot of physics. Um, I'm listening. I, I really have been enjoying a guy I mentioned before, but Deva Bashevkin's work that he's done during this time. Um, I just can't like sit still and just chop vegetables anymore. Like I just can't. Like I need your mind to is listen. racing. Like yeah. it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to. I am like, I have to be engaged and um whatever. I mean, that's just how I'm responding to this. So I, I do need to be listening and 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 just keeping my mind busy and learning and getting, you know, insight. So um I guess, yeah, podcasts have really been a source for me. 
I haven't been able to pick up a book. Shabbos, I'm like struggling. I can't, for sure, not fiction. I just Mm. cannot get into anything. Rifki, you're struggling with that? Oh, yeah. I think anything that I did as like kind of like an escapist kind of Uh way to spend my time is just like, I'm like, like, ugh. And even certain podcasts, like certain non-Jewish podcasts that I found, are like they're just like interesting or informative. I'm also like, I have no patience for you. I yeah. have no patience for you. Yeah, they have <laughs> I, no clue what we're going through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, be quiet. <laughs> I used to spend time watching, I have an Instagram account for my dog. I used to watch all these cute dog videos. Even that, like, has stopped, you know, appealing to me lately. I was like, let me just try to get back into it. So I have something that's just not related to the war. You know, dogs right. are and so we do innocent. Need that and yeah. we do need, yeah, we do. It's really so important that we're not too hard on ourselves. If we need to watch that stupid movie or whatever it is, because like we need to breathe, we still need to find our quote unquote self-care, I think, and uh, not be too hard on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It used to be more fun, though, to talk about. Right, that's true. All, no, I'm saying it used to be more fun to talk about all the small things, like all the issues. And like, the, I, I'm thinking I was busy with From Women Have Faces, which is, again, still important and the guna crisis still important and all these uh pressing issues that our community faces but i I wonder if we're going to ever get back to those conversations Mm. because they are so important but at the same time everything seems so trivial and and unimportant could it be that a lot of our issues were self-imposed and that now that we've united in this way like and and our our, we're, we're healing from within I, I don't think so. I think I think we're like no, we still have tons of issues. Sure, <laughs> and, and I and I think also I was just reading somewhere that a lot of these organizations have been impacted in terms of fund, lack of funding. Exactly, this is really a challenge. Of course, you know our soldiers need the money and and you know the support for people in in Israel. I mean. But like, let's not forget there are other institutions that now are really feeling it and they still have important work to do. So I don't think these issues are going away. I really wonder how we're going to continue to work on them and give them the support that they still need. I know. I, I just feel like we were very, very spread, very, very thin. Um, but like, yeah, there are people still are going to need to have babies. People are still have mental health issues. People mm-hmm. still need shidduchim. Like there's still a lot of like very large issues that are not going to go away. And I think that it's just, again, we're going to have to rise to the occasion and say, even though our attention and our funds are spread much more thinly, like we can't pretend, we can't put our head in the sand either, you know, and we can't forget about people whose, whose tsar is still ongoing, you know, in a way that is personal to them. Yeah, and I wonder if like even what we can take away from this, maybe what we've learned is that like our the Jewish community is so crucially important. So maybe people who weren't that community minded or Jewishly minded beforehand may might have like extra impetus to like, what can I do in my own community to make the Jewish community stronger? You know, how can how can I contribute? Beautiful. We've all seen the videos of people saying that they never thought about their Judaism until recently. Matasia, who wants to become from again? Right. Uh, you know, I shared a video of a guy with a tattoo on his neck, and he's all in for Ju- for Judaism and tefillin and everything. So, on, on the other hand, we've mobilized so many Jews yeah. that have been, um, you know, defranchised. Defranch- uh, fr- what's the word? Defranchised. This- Disenfranchised. Yeah. Disenfranchised. Sorry, sorry. I'm becoming an Israeli. I'm forgetting my English. Disenfranchised. So, yeah. And also, and funding also, like Alan Dershowitz is like, I am not giving one red cent to Harvard University as yeah. long as I live. So we have to re- keep that in mind. But yeah, we are spread thin. And like you, you said, we do need Shaduchim and these. And I felt bad about that because I felt like all these people who need the community support, like in a way, this war has kind of just 
taken all the oxygen out of the room. Like this has become mm-hmm. the be all and end all of yeah. everyone's existence. You almost feel guilty saying like, I'm struggling. Like, what are you struggling mm-hmm. with? But still, you know, everyone's struggle is their personal challenge that they have to overcome. And, and that stops them from living their best life. So we have to, we have to remember that. So true. Right. I feel like there is like this whole hierarchy, like, you know, and being like an, in America, like I sometimes feel like, how can I even talk about like my stress or like my son's experience with anti-Semitism? Because it's like, we're not running to bomb shelters. Mm-hmm. And then my friends who live in Jerusalem are talking to like a friend who lives in Ashdod. They're like, mm-hmm. how can we complain? Like you live in Ashdod, your kids wow. haven't been in school. Like her kids have not been in school for like the entire time. Can you imagine? So, you know, it's like, we're all like, you know, we're all just feeling for each other. And we're all like trying to like, you know, hold space for our own, whatever stress we're having but then we're also like but you 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 know like that's our because we're a family right and when you pray for other people and you're compassionate and you worry for other people a it takes your mind off your own sorrows and b it brings down blessing it opens up the channel of blessing so that's why we've seen so much revealed blessing on that tangent I think one of the, the, this new thing that we're doing besides for Jewish geography now is like, what war story is the most inspirational that you heard so far? Like I saw a, a soldier whose bullet, the bullet went through his Tehillim and saved his life. Oh, yeah. Right. So, you know, we're all taking in all these beautiful stories. So if you, if you guys could, you know, share with my audience, with our audience, we have a lot of listeners that overlap. Some of the, the things that you've heard and seen that just like will stick with you and will be like, and you know, that made you feel like, wow, so proud mm. to be a Jew. This is so special. There's been like, there's so many, honestly. Every soldier dancing is like, wow. Yeah, so, there was a point that anytime I saw a video of the Chayla, I'm like, my eyes would water. I don't know. I'm like, these are, it's just, it's something else. Um, Okay, so I shared this already on DMC. So apologies to those of you who may have heard it, but um, I, my former student, um, way back when in eighth grade, so so long ago, was Archie Stamen, and I don't know if anyone's seen his videos. So many have been vi- viral. Um, did you see them, Kyla? Archie, he's at least like Arab yeah. Shabbos videos. Yeah, yeah. Amistral, you know, yeah. like psyching everyone up. So um, he also is a tour guide. And my kids, we took our first trip to Israel for the first time in 18 years this past winter, last January, almost a year ago. And of course, we hired him. So, you know, and my kids, besides the one who was in Israel at the time, like never, my whole family is in Israel. They had, they really had very little connection to Israel. Very, very little. And he was the one that was taking them to the side of the Mishkan. And like, he was, he made it alive for them. And he is so... um, charismatic and passionate and it just i mean they were like they, they they fell in love with him and then to see him on cbs news as a spokesman of you know of, of the idf it was so incredible and to see these like viral videos um they they're like this is our this is our archie like they have this personal connection to him and um it's just it's been a very special moment seeing a former student in this role giving so much chizak living lechaim has been sharing his videos so much chizak to us the fact that he's in the reserve he's in the idf right now and he's thinking of us and chutzlaris and how he could he could strengthen us to me is just is really special yeah it's really beautiful yeah that really is i was thinking about how um when we went to the rally so the the Federation from Cleveland sent what twenty six buses. Yeah, yeah. Like and um, I I signed up very very late because I I wasn't sure if I should go or if I should stay with my kids. I wasn't you know in the end. And in the end, my mother in law was like, "I'm watching your kids. Go go on the bus." Mm-hmm. So when I signed up, I got waitlisted because I waited until the last minute. And then like Hashem made it so that 
a bus opened up because the Federation, there was enough people who were last minuteers like me. So another bus opened up. We called it the glad to be here bus because we were all off the wait list. Her bus shut down twice also. <laughs> shut down twice on the way. Everyone's like posting pictures and diving in front of the White House. I'm like, we're on I-70 still. Bus of Hashem will get there. But um, so Alex was on a different bus that did not break down twice. <laughs> So we got there and I I walked to the mall with the with one of the other people on my bus. And like this the bus was like so like like Baachtistig kind of bus because it was from like all types from the Jewish community in Cleveland, like all types and stripes. It was really so nice. And like we didn't care what we disagreed on. Like we were all just happy to be together. And that in and of itself was worth hmm. going just for the experience of that bus. Um but when I was walking there, you know, like all my friends had already gone ahead. Like I I was like with this random person from the bus that I had just met. And like, I was thinking like, okay, well, it's going to be what it's going to be. And then who do I run into? But Alex, like on the way. So I was just thinking it was like, this is not like per se per war, but it's, I guess, rally. But just like that feeling of like Hashem is just taking care of us. Aww. Like, here you go. Like you get to experience, like, you, yeah. we got to be together and Such we get to have moment. our own like, you know, deep, meaningful conversations at the rally. And just like all of those little moments of being like, ah, I'm being taken care of. Like, it's like, I know, I know like, you're I busy. I know you have bigger fish to fry. You're taking care of the war in Gaza, but once in a while, blow me a kiss and I'll be like, <laughs> great. You know what I mean? Those, those exactly. are the experiences we're all having. And there's no shortage of kisses. Like we could talk about the brachas and the things to be grateful from today till tomorrow. And one day we're going to, we're going to have an anthology of the miracles mm. That transpired yes. and that are transpiring every single second of this because we see now how fierce and determined our enemies are. So if you want to play that game, like how much worse this could have been and how yeah. many missiles could have hit. You know, yesterday we had a massive bombardment in Tel Aviv and a yeah. missile fell through a school ceiling, almost hit two people walking down the street. You know, yeah, just saw that video. yeah. yeah. The, and you see the missiles and you're like, wow, those are not firecrackers. Those are massive weapons of war. And yeah. over 11,000 have been flung over Israel. So I'm like, in my mind, every single morning, I'm like, I just see Hashem's Iron Dome. You've seen that meme, but like yeah. Hashem is our Iron Dome and he's with us in all of this, as hard as it is to imagine, um, yeah. you know, as we suffer. You know, I, I just want to say that I, I've listened to so many people and spoken to so many people. I think at the beginning of this, uh, I even spoke to the shlucha in Sterot, whose house was hit by a missile, who oh, was wow. there on 10-7 experiencing, you know, terrorists running around Sterot and everything. And she said, I struggled to come up with the words to say to my community. I was struggling. And and a lot of teachers and rabbis and educators and, and parents have admitted that they are struggling to find the words. They have that there's just this lack of what to say to address this atrocity to their community, to their students, to their children. And they really had to dig deep. But I'm just so grateful that we keep having these deep, meaningful conversations because we are so deep and we have so much. And even if we don't have so much, the light of MS, the light of Kedusha, the light of Hashem, the Shekhinah, the goodness that, that, that comes through the Mitzvahs that we do, it, it gets channeled through us. So we find like we find our strength. So yeah, we could be on empty and we could see things that are horrifying to us, but then when we sit and have these conversations, you're inspired, I'm inspired, we inspire our listeners. Like that's that's the beauty of this all. Like they're destroying and we're creating. Hmm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, and that's why I wanted you guys to be here because I felt like this is something important. Do I know exactly what I want to say to you guys? No. Do we know exactly mm -hmm. how this conversation is gonna go? No. But I know something good is gonna come out of it. And I think mm. that's really what yeah. get, that we can we can learn from all of this. Like, just stop dwelling on the negative and just take action. 
And that's when, you know, good things blossom and bloom. Yeah. And Hanala, like you were saying, in terms of like us creating, you know, content for others and inspiration for others. I mean, I think it's just so sensitive that all of us are grappling with. So when can we quote unquote, get back to normal? You know, at what point do we resume our regularly scheduled content? And like, it wasn't a question for all of us. Like, well, we're just going to like, you know, go back to, to normal. Like, no, our jobs, you know, as content creators and as podcast hosts is to really just try to be the voice of the people and and really try to give physical whatever way we can and have these conversations and raise awareness and talk about the things that are on everyone's minds. So um, I just, I think it's, it's just so beautiful. Like all of us have been just trying our best to like, how can we be helpful in this time? You know, sort of like what you were saying. Totally. And so I'm going to help you by telling you that the link to the DMC podcast is in my show notes. Subscribe to Rifki and Alex's show. I catch it as much as I can. I listen to podcasts 24 hours a day. My kids are like, enough, like <laughs> seriously, enough. Um, but I catch it when I can and I always enjoy the banter and you know what you have to offer and, and it's just so much. So thank you for being here and sharing that with us today. And what can I tell you? We should just share Simchas. I keep saying it. We should just, it should just be good, 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 good. Health, wealth, and happiness. Mm-hmm. Like my grandmother says, many happy returns. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for having us on. Thank Sala. you. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to you.